Hello, and welcome to Collision Cast, the official podcast of Fender Bender, helping collision repair shop owners and operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Editor-in-Chief Jay Sicht, and in this episode, I'm joined by Andy Tilka, owner and CEO of Tag Auto Group, an MSO in Illinois and Indiana, and Midwest ADOS, which has four standalone calibration centers in Indiana. After seeing inconsistencies with some of the calibrations performed by sublet providers, Andy saw a need to bring his calibrations in-house, and he opened his first calibration center in May with plans to expand. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You said, uh, when we talked the other night at, at CIC, that you had just started these last May, um, and you've got plans to expand. I uh, just want to know what made you want to get started in the calibration business? You know, there, there's a demand that's not being filled right now. Um, you know, and, and I feel like calibrations can only be done one way and that's the right way. And so there's just so many very vari- uh, variations of a standard of a calibration. And uh, I just, I, I felt like the OEM way and the, uh, the right environment and so on was, um, was needed. And so I wanted to kind of expand it just for my locations. And now it's expanded, you know, for servicing the markets in different areas. What, uh, what providers did you use before for calibration? Did you have a mix of say yeah. mobile providers and dealerships or who was we doing did a, We did a mix of mobile and dealer. Um, you know, when, and, and there's some dealers that do it right. And there's some dealers that don't. And when I had the opportunity to see at one of the dealerships a calibration being done, uh, I realized what the environment was there uh, and the tooling that was used and uh, realized it, it wasn't being done the way people perceive these calibrations being done. And you would think that somebody at a dealership is the professional when it comes to calibration, um, but realizing a lot of dealerships, they they don't have technicians that are actually trained to do a calibration doing the calibrations or they don't have the equipment or the equipment still just stays in the box and, and cars are initialized and verified and that's it. So um, I, I, I thought I'd just kind of take it on my own shoulders and, and move forward and do it. And you just kind of jumped in with both feet for this or what, uh, what was the process for researching what you would need for facilities and equipment and staffing for that? Yeah. First, it, it takes to find out the manufacturer's requirements and different manufacturers have different requirements. So we really got to build a facility based off of the most stringent manufacturer's requirements. So, you know, our, our floors, for instance, we uh, level out the floors uh, uh, in a tolerance of eight millimeters per 30 feet. Um, so from one side uh, to 30 feet to the other side, there should only be a variance of eight millimeters, and that's roughly a quarter of an inch. Um, you know, same thing too with the substrates that are made with the, with the building. Um, we don't have any exposed metal. The lighting too, like there's certain lumens uh, that's required. Uh, the lights have to be dimmable. So all these things we really had to, to take into account in building these facilities, and trust me, that was trial and error. Um, uh, you know, lots of mistakes being made and trying to figure out what the easiest way to do it the next time and the next time. You mentioned the tolerance for the eight millimeter for, I believe you said 30 feet, which crazy, that's crazy flat for me. I just can't imagine that kind of a tolerance. Where were those, where are those specifications found? Is that those aren't in the OEM repair procedures, are they? 
Some yes, some no. Um, you know, so that's what the industry is asking for with the manufacturers right now is to create some kind of standard because some manufacturers will say a level floor. Well, there's no definition of level, so it, it makes it difficult to define what is level. Is it is it a parking lot? Is it somebody just having that idea that this looks level? Uh, and then some manufacturers are, are specific about it with that millimeter tolerance. Uh, do I feel like the manufacturers are going to create more of a standard? I, I really do. I think that the manufacturers see a need for communicating what is best for their for their vehicles and their calibration. It's just it's so new to everybody, and it takes so long for you know anyone to make a decision or engineers to come together or anything to that nature to to decide what is the standard. I know you mentioned in our other talk that. Uh, it took a lot just to find concrete contractors to to be able to allow you to finish that floor to that precise level, right? So what what uh, what's what's the secret sauce for that? <laughs> My first location, uh, there was drains in the floor, and whenever you see drains in the floor, you know that there's going to be a pitch you don't like. Uh, and so uh, that floor also was uh, you know had the soaked oil and such, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to paint it. Uh, 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 well, or it was going to be a process. So we ended up tearing out all the concrete. And I learned the hard way uh, that when you pour new concrete, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be level. Uh, so uh, I would suggest anybody that is going to pour new concrete, make sure that you do have the right vendor with the right equipment, because it does take a lot to pour concrete to that certain specification. Um, and uh, so when we did report our concrete, we still had to do some uh, skim coating and such and some self-leveling concrete to be able to make it for manufacturer specifications. I guess, um, it's a, I guess it's a little bit like doing body filler and having to fine tune it with some polyester <laughs> well, prior, <you> primer. Know, <laughs> I, you, you got it and you got to right, use the right materials, right? And, um, you know, I learned on my second facility, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm going to grind the floors because they're not that far off. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, rented uh, some equipment uh, and then put some guys on grinding the floor and realized how long it was taking to do so. And then, of course, how much dust goes in the air. Uh, so we were, we probably put about 90 man hours on just trying to grind the floor. And that's, I'm sure it was way more than that. Uh, and it didn't get us close to what we really wanted to. Plus, it beat up the floor a little bit and, and pulled up the aggregate. So you got all these dimples and so on. So I wouldn't even suggest doing that. Um, you know, I would suggest doing a mixture of pouring new concrete and then understanding that you're probably going to have to do some self-leveling and, and, and skim coating. But you don't want to use, uh, me personally, I feel like you don't want to use self-leveling concrete um, over uh, uh, a half inch to three quarters of an inch. Uh, more than that, you're probably going to be wanting to report because there's specifications on that uh, as well. That you know that that um, concrete uh, and self leveling stuff. It 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 doesn't work at uh, when you're filling it up pretty deep. I can imagine that. Now, have you settled on what is a comfortable? facility size and are you set up to calibrate one vehicle at a time or are any of the facilities set up to do more than one at a time so, so it 
it is set up to do multiple cars at once. It does depend on what calibration you're doing. Cause if you're doing, you know, uh, a Ford F-150 surround view, you're not gonna be doing too many calibrations around it. Um, but my secret sauce is that four to five to 6,000 square feet. Of course, it's hard to get real estate and hard to get warehousing. So you kind of take what you can get. So sometimes you end up with more space uh, than you need. And that's kind of what happened in my case is really just trying to find buildings and uh, uh, buy buildings that require the least amount of renovation as possible. And sometimes you get that 5,000 square foot, sometimes you end up with 12,000, um, you know? Uh, so real estate, and I think you'll you'll hear a lot from people, real estate is a big challenge when when putting up calibration centers and finding the right, um, right building. And then when it comes to the equipment, are you using only OEM targets? and scan tools or are there any systems from the aftermarket that are that are suitable for this kind of work so we're doing a mixture right now um we're doing uh, all oem software um but uh as for the equipment and the targets we do a mixture of oem and aftermarket uh right now there's only two uh, uh makes rivian and lucid that actually are okaying an aftermarket equipment which is true point uh, do I feel like more manufacturers are going to get on board and start, you know, uh, approving certain uh, aftermarket equipment? I do. Um, it's just it's so new to the stage that a lot of people are scrambling, trying to um, find what is OK to use, what environment is OK and putting it down on paper. So right now with the expanding, uh, I, I feel like the mixture is, is good for our business model, um, but we do. Um, have relationships obviously with all kinds of other body shops. So we find out what their certifications are. So if we are calibrating their vehicles with a certification, we're making sure that it's exactly what that certification is telling them they have to do. And then for the technicians that are, is it, does it take a certain kind of technician? I mean, is there a personality profile that better fits <laughs> this kind of calibration versus a painter or body repair? I tell you, so you don't necessarily have to be in this industry to be a, a calibration technician. Uh, so what I look for in a calibration is being meticulous. Um, you know, it's that reliable, um, problem solving, meticulous person. But what I love about this business is it's perfect for introverts um, because this is a business to business uh, uh, brick and mortar. So. We're not dealing with people that have to be salespeople or this or that. You know, you, you as a technician, you're going up and you're picking up the car, you're bringing it back, you're calibrating it and then test driving it and bringing it back again. So it's nice because the people can just put their head down and work. So the people that are uncomfortable with human interaction or this or that, and believe it or not, I'm, I'm an introvert too. Uh, this is a perfect position. So Really, when you're looking for this person, you're looking for more technical skills. So let's say this person, you know, is working the geek squad at Best Buy or something to that nature. You can find somebody on the outside of the industry to do so. Or um, we have somebody that worked for a cable company for installation and so on, or a supervisor for a cable company. So uh, these really do open up. Uh, uh, opportunities for uh, other people and people getting into the industry.
And right now, so the bulk, I guess the bulk of the work is static calibration. There is some dynamic calibration required for some of these vehicles, but the static is the first step. And then I've heard some about, I don't know what vehicles now are self-calibrating or if that's just uh, wishful thinking for down the road. But uh, do you ever consider, as you're looking at expansion plans, do you ever worry a little bit about some of these systems going toward where they won't need static calibrations anymore? Sure. Um, so I feel like this technology is just going to keep advancing. So if shops do determine to do this in-house or there's some aftermarket equipment or so on there, I still feel like the technology that's advancing is still going to require a certain environment and brick and mortar and certain types of equipment that shops you know, might not be able to get. Um, so that's, that's that aspect of it. Another aspect is uh, how old the vehicles are on the road, right? So I think vehicles now on average are 12 to 13 years on the road um, and shops roughly are fixing vehicles on average, I think six years old. Um, Cause obviously we're not gonna, you know, some people don't decide to fix their car if it's 10 or 12 years old. So if we're fixing cars on average of six years old, that means if that technology comes out uh, that all cars are gonna be self-calibrating themselves, it would take six years for those vehicles, you know, to roughly not being repaired or hitting the body shops anymore. So do I lose sleep? Uh, you know what, in 30 years, maybe that might be the situation, but um, right now with the manufacturers and who's actually putting engineering and time into self-calibration, uh, it's not coming around anytime soon. There's, there's uh, you know, a couple of makes here that does a little bit of that, but I, I don't see it coming anytime soon. That's a great point. And where do you see your uh, expansion going for the, either the number of calibration centers or geographical where you where you would place those? So, uh, you know, I might have to change the name because uh, Midwest ADAS. Uh, you know, I'd love to expand in the Midwest, but. I just I'm constantly having conversation with people in certain areas that this is just a true need. Uh, so I am expanding and we do have more locations uh, uh, purchased and renovating and right now. Um, and I've uh, uh, you know teamed up with other body shop owners to become partners in other areas, uh, which is fantastic. Um, uh, and them being such as like operating owners. So I really see this as, you know, who gets there first, uh, you know, and captures that market as the person that has the business. And right now, there's really not a lot of options right now, except for um, uh, mobile and dealership. So just capturing those markets and, and, and you know, creating calibration centers in, in, in certain areas uh, is really just my goal right now and making sure that the calibration centers we have open, it continues to do them right. And have you done all this on your own or are you partnering with a franchise? So uh, I, I have not partnered with a franchise. Um, I've, I have a license with uh, Cars ADAS. So they supply the training uh, and the software. Um, so we have kind of the management software that walks our technicians through uh, uh, the calibration and what pictures to take. And, and I love that aspect of it, as well as they provide the training. So when we are hiring our um, technicians, we actually ship them for a week to one of the CAR ADAS centers. 
and they're training our technicians as well as they do the continued education. So um, if there's something new that needs to be trained, they do it. Uh, they do the auditing to make sure our technicians are, are calibrating everything correctly for their pictures and continue training, as well as when our technicians have a question, it goes to their trainers um, to be able to help and troubleshoot uh, a certain calibration. So I know when I go to sleep every night, I know everything's being done per manufacturer guidelines because everything's being audited every, every single calibration. That's impressive. And, you know, there, there's strength in numbers and having, having a larger organization to, to be able to turn to for some of that help. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover yet? Oh, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing now is the could and should of the industry. You know, um, uh, yes, I can calibrate, but should I calibrate? And, and what I mean by that is shops are, are getting more interested in the mobile or doing it themselves. I'm all for being able to do it yourselves or use mobile. But if you are using mobile, make sure you have an area that's per manufacturer guidelines. Um, uh, the reason I say that is lots of cars, when you calibrate them, they don't tell you if they're calibrated or not. So with shops, you know, are you getting proof that the car is being calibrated per manufacturer guidelines? Uh, ask yourself that. Do you know that your car is being calibrated in a correct environment? Um, we had a, a perfect case scenario where we had an education series uh, at one of my facilities, which had shops, insurance adjusters, manufacturers. So it had a great amount of people. And I was so lucky because the first car that we had there, we ended up using it as an example because that car was calibrated at uh, with a mobile company. The person took it away, uh, drove it, and all their lights went on, bring it back, which keep in mind, Lights don't always come back on if, or come on when a car's miscalibrated. Then uh, um, uh, the the body shop company sent it out to the dealer to see what the uh, what was wrong there. Driver drove it around for a while, still came back. So when we opened up, uh, this vehicle came to us, which was fantastic. We were so excited to do this example around all these people. And uh, come to find out the uh, or the emergency braking was pointed up four degrees. So what that means is that emergency braking wouldn't have even detected the car in front of them would just looked right over that vehicle um, uh, and, and wouldn't have stopped. So uh, the lesson really is you don't know that the car is being calibrated or not being calibrated correctly unless, you know, there's some kind of feature that, you know, but lot of vehicles they just don't tell you because the car just doesn't know you're you're telling it that hey this is the way to look car and the car's saying okay this is the way i'm gonna look but is that the right way to look so unless you're fo you know following all the procedures and and uh you know making sure the floor is level or the lumens or the dimming or or anything where there's any metal distraction that's where the could and should come into play you know yeah i can calibrate but should I calibrate? Am I calibrating correctly? Am I putting somebody in danger? Is, is somebody possibly going to get injured or, or worse because I chose to, to uh, calibrate it internally or calibrate it uh, in the parking lot or this or that? So there's a lot of liability that's attached to this. So, uh, you know, I, I'm confident in our process to take on that liability um, because we, we document every 
part of the procedure, all, every part of the OEM procedure. And uh, 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 I, I know auditing every, every job that we're doing things correctly. So uh, I think people should ask themselves that. And, um, but I'm always here. That's why I, I, I do, uh, you know, my phone always rings because people are asking me, you know, I want to open up a calibration center or how do I do this? And I'm an open book. So anyone can reach out to me and get advice on renovating a property or this or that to, to make sure it is done right. Andy, since you offered, what's the best way to get a hold of you? We'll put that in the description. Texting, but uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, my email address is Andy at Midwest ADAS, M-I-D-W-E-S-T-A-D-A-S.com. Andy, you've given us a lot to think about today. Thank you for joining us on the Collision Cast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun.